This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I'm excited about today. We're going to kick off our series, Confidence, How to Be Stable When Things Are Not. Me and my wife, Ashley, this October will have been married nine years, and uh, time seems to fly. And in those nine years, uh, we actually have two sons. I have a seven-year-old named Elam, and then I have a two-year-old named Levi. Uh, But before we had kids, we decided early on in our marriage that we'd practice on a dog. So so a couple years into our marriage, we went out and we bought a dog. We bought a Maltese. For those of you that don't know what a Maltese looks like, here's a little picture of what a Maltese is. Yeah, cute, right? Well, my family, like, we we never had, like, small foo-foo dogs. Like, we always had, like, Rottweilers and pit bulls. And so it was a little bit embarrassing, humiliating. My wife's like, let's go get a Maltese, you know? And so I'm like, so she wanted to name it like Chloe or like Penelope. And so I'm like, that's stupid. And um, I thought if she's going to come up with a stupid name like that, I'm going to come up with a name that's even more stupid. So uh, I looked at the dog. I'm like, well, its fur kind of looks like grass. So I'm going to name this dog White Grass. And I started calling the dog White Grass. And it stuck. Everybody called the dog White Grass. And as White Grass got older, she developed some bad habits. And she was a master digger. And anytime you let her out, even in the backyard, to go to the bathroom, she could, like, within, uh, honestly, like a minute, uh, dig underneath the neighbor's uh, fence and, and, and be free within our, our, our neighborhood. And so, so one morning, it was like 1 a.m. in the morning, the dog uh, has to go out. And so I get up, and I'm going to take the dog outside in my backyard, mind you. I go out with her because I don't trust her. And so we get out in the backyard, and something catches my attention, so I'm not really paying attention to what's going on. And, uh, and, and honestly, again, like with, within a minute, 30 seconds to a minute, the dog had d- dug under the neighbor's fence and was in the neighbor's backyard. It's 1 in the morning. I'm frustrated, to say the least. So I'm walking over by the fence, and I'm like, white grass, get over here. You get over here right now. You know, and I'm whispering it because it's 1 in the morning, too, because my dog's name's white grass. And that's a little bit embarrassing to be shouting out as a grown man in the middle of the night. And uh, the way that it worked is anytime she got into the neighbor's backyard, they didn't have a front fence on their yard. It was like chain link fence. So she could actually roam the neighborhood. I knew this. So I go out my front door and I actually have to walk around the entire block. As I come around the block, uh, there's white grass. We have a standoff. We're just standing there looking at each other. And I just kind of take a few steps and then I take off bolting towards the dog. The dog takes off running. In the middle of the night, I'm running after my dog. She runs back into the neighbor's backyard. This goes on for honestly 30 to 40 minutes. But I'm not going to be outsmarted by a Maltese. So I go into my kitchen and I get some snacks and I come out by the, the little hole where that, but I change my tone this time. I'm like, come here, baby, white grass. Come here, puppy. Come here, white grass. Fine, work like a charm. Here came white grass whoop, under, the, under the fence. I grabbed that dog so fast. White grass, no, no. And I lightly, with my hand on her, on her behind, just boom, boom, like that. And we just went inside the house. The dog covered in mud. Okay, so I take her to the, to the bath and my wife comes. Well, what's going on, babe? I'm like, well, I tell her this whole story about how this happened. I'm all frustrated. I'm giving Whitegrass a bath. My wife's standing right there. Whitegrass loses her legs. When I talk about lose her legs, like her legs just go paralyzed, go limp inside of the, of the bathtub. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, hey, Whitegrass just lost her legs. I'm like, what do you mean she lost her legs? Like her legs aren't moving. She said, she had the nerve to say, well, how hard did you hit her? I'm like, hit her? First of all, <laughs> first of all, I didn't ha- hit her. I tapped her on the bottom, boom, boom. I, I didn't, it was nothing drastic. She rolled her eyes. I'm like, girl, you don't know me. Like, what do you, I mean, seriously. So I go back to watching the dog and I'm starting to second guess myself now. I'm like, well, maybe I did underestimate my own strength and like, hopefully I didn't damage a nerve or something. Like, as time goes on, Whitegrass not only loses her back leg, she loses her front. She goes completely limp laying in the bath. And I'm freaking out at this point. I'm like, this is the last thing I need. Like, you killed the dog, right? Like, it's going to be my fault for the rest of my life. 
So I take the dog out of the water and I go into the living room and I start blow drying her, getting her dry. And she's laying on the floor. She's, she's motionless. My wife goes, what's going on? And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm at the end of my rope. And I'm like, this is honestly the last thing I need. So I just close my eyes like, God, would you please help the situation? You know I don't need this right now. I need to be in bed. It's really early in the morning. And it gets worse. I watch her breathing. And like, you know, you can see when dogs lay inside, you see the breathing just get, gets slower and slower and slower. And finally, the dog, I mean, it's, it stopped breathing. And I, I look up at my wife, and it was, it was like, a, like a movie. I, I, I look up at my wife, and, and she looks at me and says, what? I said, she's gone. I <laughs> did. And my wife, what do you mean she's gone? I, she, she, passed, she passed on. And she's like, what, what am I supposed to do? I said, go get a garbage bag. She says, a garbage bag? So my wife's like, we, we, we don't know. We're clueless. She goes and she, she goes and grabs a, a, a garbage bag. And here's poor little white grass just like, you know, like leg just dead on the ground. And... Uh, She's bringing the garbage can back, and all of a sudden, I swear, it was like it was just a miracle straight from heaven. The dog goes, like that, just like stands straight up, and I said, she's alive! And so she, she hops up on all fours, and, and no joke, the dog just starts like convulsing. Like she got all her strength back, she starts convulsing, and just starts barfing all over our tile floor. And out of her mouth came, I swear, I swear to God, a gallon worth of reef fried beans and beer. White... Whitegrass wasn't dead, she was drunk. And she had gotten into, <laughs> swear to God, swear to God, she had gotten into the neighbor's garbage. And I looked at my wife and said, I told you, I just hit her on the, on the, on the bottom, boom, boom. See, like, it wasn't my fault, it was the dog's fault. My, my question is, is this, I tell the story to ask you this question. Who do you turn to when you're at the end of your rope? For me, it was God. I mean, you see it in this situation. For you, maybe it's, it's God as well. Uh, but for all of us, it's, it's probably a little bit different if we're honest. And those of us that turn to God, we didn't just get there overnight. It's funny because our society programs us. It, it actually pushes us uh, to actually not believe or not have confidence, to not trust something greater than ourselves. In, uh, in our world, in our culture, we propagate statements like, what you are all you need. Right? Just, just, just be yourself, stand up for yourself. We say things like, you, you have all of the answers you need. You are enough. And yet, somehow, innately, within ourselves, we struggle with this, and we kind of know it isn't true. Isn't this why you showed up at church today? Because you know that you don't have all of the answers for your, for your life. You know that your way doesn't always work so well, so you're trying to get some guidance, maybe some encouragement, maybe some hope that, that your life could get better. I mean, let's set, let's set faith, let's set religion aside. Isn't this why you call up your friends when you're going through a dilemma? Right, let me share with you what I'm going to do. This is what I'm thinking of doing. What do, you think, what do you think I should do? What would you do in this situation? Why? Because somehow we know that we don't have, we don't possess, we are not enough on our own. Isn't this why you go to the doctor? Because you can't heal yourself? Isn't this why when you're in the midst of a, of a lawsuit, you hire a lawyer because you know you're, you're uneducated, you're unqualified to represent yourself? Somehow we know that in and of ourselves, we are not enough on our own. This is why this idea of what I have confidence in, what I have confidence in, it's, it's, it's really, really important. Why? Because, because confidence, confidence is what anchors our reality. In other words, whatever I'm confident in, it's going to control the way that I see my reality, the way I see the world around me. If I'm confident in nothing more than myself, all I'll see is how things affect me. 
And so what society does is, is it pushes a certain type of confidence. And I really think that it's, it's actually the most dangerous type of confidence. The most dangerous type of confidence is actually self-confidence. And at first glance, you think, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, we need to be confident in ourselves. But if you look at what confidence actually means, this is what confidence means. Confidence is the state of being certain. Another definition would say it like this, that confidence is trust. So when I communicate that I have self-confidence, what I'm saying is that I'm certain in myself. What I'm communicating is, is that I have trust in myself. You think, well, what's, what's, what's the matter with that? Well, well don't you know yourself? I mean, I, 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 I'm not talking about the version of us that we let everybody see. I'm not talking about our strengths that are magnified that everybody celebrates. I'm talking about the real us that nobody sees. I'm talking about our weaknesses. I, I, know, my, I know myself. In and of myself, I'm led away by my own desires. I make mistakes. I I don't know all the answers. Most days, I don't feel like the husband I should be. Most days, I don't feel like the father that I should be. Even this morning on the way to church, I'm responsible for getting my two-year-old here, and I forget the diapers at home. Like, this is the story of my life. Most times in my life, I don't even feel feel like the worker that I should be. when, When it comes to trusting somebody, I'm the last person that I should have confidence in. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. I fail. When I look at my life, I ask myself, how does my way work for me? Like, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, like, where has your way gotten you in life? We see it clear as day. Confidence in ourselves is not the answer. So, confidence in ourselves is not the answer. Where do we look? Where should our trust be placed? It's got to be placed in something greater than ourselves. But it's tricky, and self-confidence is tricky. Why? Because it's something in our society that's pushed. It's something that's celebrated. It's something that feels good. And if we don't pay attention, if we don't evaluate the thing that we're confident in, a lot of times, we can be confident in ourselves and not even know it. So here's, here's a couple just signs, maybe, that you would be flirting, so to speak, with self-confidence. Here's, here's number one, just, just real quick. When you're self-confident, you're driven by what you feel. Sign that you may be self-confident. When you're, when you're self-confident, you're driven by what you feel. In other words, when I'm self-confident... I'm anchored by my feelings. This, this rope represents my life. Okay? On the other side would be an anchor. When, when I'm self-confident, I'm anchored by what I feel. In other words, whatever I feel is my reality. What's the problem with this? Don't your feelings change? I mean, aren't, if your feelings are, are a moving anchor, I mean, this is really no anchor at all. And we know this in our lives. I mean, think about your first love, the person that you first fell in love with. What did you tell her? Oh, this is the one. Like, I know that this is the one. Like, we're going to be married together forever. And when you look back on that person, now you think to yourself, man, what was I thinking? Like, why was I, why did I even think that way? Or why? Because your feelings, your emotions change. The things that you feel today, the things that you believe today, the things that, the way you feel about certain things today, if you rewind in your life two weeks, two months, Two years, 20 years, you probably don't feel the same way today as you used to feel about other things. Why? Because feelings are horrible leaders. They, they, they change, they shift, they move all the time. When I'm confident in myself, this is, this is how my confidence works. If I feel like being a good dad today, I'm going to be a good dad. But if I don't feel like it, then I'm going to be a horrible dad. If I, if I have a lot of confidence and I feel good about the way that I look when I look in the mirror today, I'm going to hold my shoulders high, I'm going to be proud of myself. But if I don't feel that way, I'm going to be insecure and I'm going to hold my head low. When I'm confident in myself, I'm driven by my feelings. Number two is this. When I'm confident in myself, when you're confident in yourself, when you're self-confident, you live your life on the defense. You live your life on the de- defense. You're defensive about everything. Why? Because you have to stand up for yourself because nobody else will. 
A lot of times people who are self-confident will, will say things like this, right? I don't care what people think. Sh- sure you do. We all care what people think, especially those that are closest to us. Isn't that why we can get hurt the most by those that are closest to us? Why? Because we care, what, we care what they think. We say things like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt, hurt me. Come on, we, we, we know this isn't true. We know that the times that we've been wounded most deeply in our life, the things that scar you from your childhood, what are they? They're things that maybe your mom or your dad or your uncle or your aunt or your teacher, people that, that maybe they meant well, they didn't even mean anything mean by it, but those words have stuck with you and they've haunted you and they've wounded you and they've, commuted, they, they, they've created what emotional scars within your life. And people who live in this position, uh, they, they, they have to be defensive towards everything. This has been the struggle of my life for me personally, because there's things in my life. I'm kind of driven to be a perfectionist and there's things in my life that I know that I'm good at. There's things that I know that I'm horrible at. I can identify them. There's things that I know that I'm good at. And, and this, this is really difficult because anytime somebody wants to come to me and challenge the things that I'm, that I'm good at, you better watch out because I'm going to be like a snake and I'm going to bite you. I'm going to come at you hard. Why? Because I'm, I got to be defensive. Why? Because I'm confident I'm self-confident. I'm confident so much in my abilities that I can't have anybody evaluate what I'm, what I'm doing. I see this bleed over into my marriage, into my relationships. When somebody comes at me and, hey, you're not, you're, I, I noticed you're doing this. It's making me feel a certain way. It's not that I'm not listening. It's not that I'm not listening, but how I respond, I respond defensively. What are you talking about? I come back at you and I cut you down. Why? Because when, you, when, you're, when you're coming at me, I don't, I don't actually have, have a problem with the fact that, that, that I'm wrong. But, but here's, here's the issue. When somebody challenges, and I'm in this position, when somebody challenges my confidence, when I'm confident in myself, they challenge my worth. So if I feel, I feel then if you think that I'm not doing something good, somehow that means that I'm not good. People who are self-confident live their lives on the defense. The problem with this is when you live your life defensively, hear this, it's impossible to enjoy life because you always feel the pressure of needing to be your own savior. I got to stand up for myself. I got to show them what I can do. I got to prove to the world that everything that they said about me was wrong. I can show them. I'm going to do it. What do I'm confident in myself and I live my life defensively. Last one is this. When you're self-confident, you have a tendency to overvalue yourself and to undervalue others. It's interesting. I had a friend growing up that was um, extremely overweight, and it's re- really, really sad, but they were made, made fun of this uh, growing up because they, they were overweight. We would all stand up for this person. And in fact, this person, it was interesting because they would always stand up for themselves. And, and, and they would say things like, you know, it, it doesn't bother Guys, honestly, like, you don't need to stand up for me. It just is what it is. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. And what was interesting about this person, uh, even though they've been made fun of their whole life, they could be the most evil gossip. They could tear you down in, in, just, in just two seconds. They would make fun of people even worse than they were made fun of. And of all people, you'd think that they would be the ones, because of the pains that they had experienced from other people's words, that they wouldn't want other people to experience that. But no, because the only way, the only way for a self-confident person to look good is to make others look bad. Maybe you've known somebody like this. Maybe you've been like this. Maybe you've been guilty of this. If I'm going to look good in life, if I'm going to be worth something in life, I need to make sure that the people around me never look as good as me. The thing about all these things, as it pertains to self-confidence, at some point, you will come to the end of your rope. At the end of of your self-confidence, there's going to be a situation that you come to, and this is what you're going to say to yourself, I cannot fix my problem. This is me with my dog on my towel floor, right? 
It's like not breathing. Okay, there's nothing that I can do. God, can I get a little bit of help down here? Right? Because the situation is out of my control. I'm helpless. Are you in a situation maybe like that today? Maybe as it pertains to your marriage, as it pertains to your children, as it pertains to your finances. Maybe you got a diagnosis this last week that you have cancer. And you're in this position of, God, what do I do? I'm I'm rendered powerless. And at this point, you know what? At this point, what happens? We we do what we see in movies a lot. We, we, We throw our hands in the air and it's like, God, if you're there, can I get a little help down here? I'm choosing to believe that there has to be something greater than myself. In other words, I'm shifting my confidence from me to something that's greater than me. For us, for believers, this, this is God. This is Jesus. This ability to have relationship with God, to overcome in life, not based upon our performance, but based upon God's goodness. As Christians, we believe the Bible. And this is what the Bible says about our confidence. It says this. So don't throw away or cast aside your confidence. Why? Because it has great reward. What does this mean? As you embark on your journey with faith through Christ, you begin to understand something. That the reason Jesus died on the cross wasn't just to forgive you of all of your sins. Jesus didn't just die on a cross so that you could spend eternity in heaven. Those two things are absolutely true. But there's a major piece of that puzzle that a lot of times we miss. A major piece of that puzzle is this, that Jesus died on a cross so that your life could be better here on earth. So that you would have the ability to be stable when things are not. That you would have the ability to overcome situations that should have overcome you. And we we see this in the scripture. How do do we know this? In in John 10, 10, it, it says this. This is what Jesus said about the reason that he came to earth. I came that they may have, and not just have, but enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full. Till it overflows. This is a picture of your life. Here's, here's another, uh, another translation says the end of the scripture like this. A better life than they ever dreamed of. Begin to understand that the life that God desires for you, I don't know if you've ever even considered this, is actually a better life than you could even dream of for yourself. God wants you to live your best life. But the thing we know is there's one thing that God needs for us if he's going to be able to be involved in our life. If he's going to be able to be involved in your finances, if he's going to be able to be involved as it pertains to your physical well-being, if he's going to be able to be involved in your relationships, there's one thing that God needs. What is it? It's our trust. We talk about the definition of confidence. What is confidence? Confidence is trust. In other words, what the scripture is saying is cast not away your trust in what? In God. For what? For in it is great Reward. What is the reward? This best life that God has promised you. This ability to be stable in your life even when things are not. This is kind of how he paints this picture for us. In the book of Hebrews, uh, we, we just read this scripture. I want to read it in a different translation. It says it like this. Remember those early days after you first saw the light? Hey, when you first came to God, heard the message of hope, you were encouraged because you didn't have to be victim to circumstance anymore. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. It says this, you were sure of yourselves back then. And guess what? It's still a sure thing. But, but you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion of your best life. The life that God has promised, with you, promised you. What do we learn from this scripture? This is what we learn, that confidence Confidence in God is a daily decision. I have to wake up every single morning and make the choice. And this is the hard thing. This is the hardest thing to do. 
make the choice to place my confidence not in myself, but in something greater than me. To choose. I make the choice to not, to not be victim to circumstance anymore, but to look to someone who is greater than the circumstances that I face. The nature of life is this, though. It comes to steal your confidence, right? It comes to steal you of your confidence. Why? If he takes your confidence, if he robs you of your confidence, there's no reward. Your, your life is going to be miserable here on earth as you live. So I want to talk about, before we go today, three things that steal our confidence. I think we could all acknowledge it. Number one is this time. Isn't time one of the greatest thieves as it pertains to our confidence, right? God, I trusted you. Man, I came to you with faith. And here, months have passed, years have passed, and it hasn't happened. Where are you, God? I thought you said that this stuff worked, and it seems like you're just not showing up. Don't you know that I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I've still been believing for the same thing, and it just seems like it's not working? What am I doing? I'm allowing time to steal the confidence. Think about time. as time passes anyway, Right? Time's going to pass anyway, and whether you choose to have faith in God or faith in yourself will always determine the outcome. Maybe for you, it's just a matter of, of age. Man, you used to have dreams. You used to have aspirations. You used to have things that, man, I would, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this, these things, but decade after decade has passed, and you think, you know what? I, if I could have it, I don't even know if I would now, right? I'm just too old. I don't see anybody my age doing this kind of stuff, and what I do, I give up on the life that I've desired. I give up on the life that God has promised me. I give up on the passions that God has crafted and placed intentionally on purpose in my heart. Why? Because of time. There's a story in the Bible. Uh, Jesus had some friends whose brother uh, was sick and going to die. The guy's name was Lazarus. And so his friends send word to Jesus. And they say, can you please tell Jesus our brother's dying? Like, we need him. Can he please come, come to our rescue? If anybody can fix the situation, it's going to be Jesus. So they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, hey, your friends, their brother's dying and, and they need you. And Jesus says, Jesus, just how Jesus was, just makes a promise, oh, don't worry about it. He's not going to die, he's going to be fine. Right? They're in the middle of their need and Jesus, don't worry about it, it's going to be fine. He makes a promise, he's going to live. Jesus ends up staying in the place that, he's in, that he is for another two days. By the time he actually says, okay, I'm going to make my way over to my friends, he gets there and, and, and they run up to him. And what do, they, what do they say? They say, Jesus, where have you been? Where have you been? You're too late. Have you ever been here with God? Your situation, where have, you, where have you been, God? Man, don't you know, even if you showed up now, it would be too late. They come to Jesus, where have you been? It's, it's too late. They say that not only is he dead, but he's been dead four days. Jesus says, take me to the place that he's buried. So they take him to this tomb. They bury people in tombs. And they take him to this tomb. And this is, this is what Jesus says. John eleven thirty nine. 39. He says, roll the stone aside. Martha, his friend. The dead man's sister protested, okay, but Jesus, here's the thing. He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. What is she saying? It's, it's too late. Even if we opened up this can again, I don't even know that anything good could come up because it's too late. It's an impossible situation. Jesus responds to her, though. Did I not tell you? If you believe, what is he saying? Did I not tell you if you trust? Did I not tell you if you have confidence in something greater than yourself, you will see the glory of God? And in this moment, you know what happens? 
They go and they roll the stone away. And Jesus speaks into that grave and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And here came Lazarus hopping out. He's still bound in all of his grave clothes, wrapped up like a mummy. And what happens? God's word prevailed above time. Whatever situation you're facing in your life that may seem dead, it may seem hopeless. You may be looking at your situation and you say, this situation stinks. God, it's too late. It is never too late for our God to rise above the situations that you face. Do not allow time to steal your confidence. Because here's what God is saying, that God's promises are not subject to time. But time is subject to God's promises. Can you please today have the courage to believe again? For those of you who have lost your dreams and given up on your passions and lost your aspirations because I tried that and it didn't work. Can you make the choice to recommit with courage, your confidence to God? God, despite circumstance, I still choose to trust that you're greater than the circumstance. I will not let a mechanism on a wall or on my wrist tell me that it is greater than you. I choose to believe in the promises of my God over the power of time. Here's another one that steals our confidence. People, man, people are a a huge thief of our confidence, right? Maybe they didn't mean to. Again, somebody that spoke something to you, something that has scarred you, that has stayed with you, something someone said, something someone's done. You know, I think another big one as it pertains to people is this, this idea of comparison. And it's interesting because while we're the solution, we're also the problem. We see this in social media all the time. It's, it's so fascinating to me. Every single one of us, if I came and I had a conversation with you over a cup of coffee, you would tell me, Nick, my life's imperfect. I'm imperfect. I'm broken. I have issues in my family. I have issues with my kids. I have issues at work. And yet on social media, what do we like to do? We go to great lengths to make sure everybody thinks we have a perfect life. We're all all playing the game. We're all playing the game. And and what's funny is when we see others, man, they they look so good. It really frustrates us. Got to work on my next post, make sure it outdoes theirs, right? And God forbid if I would like their post, because I don't want to give them the gratification of you know that I saw their post. So I'm going to make sure, oh, did you see what I posted? No, what'd you post? I didn't see anything. It didn't come up on my feed. Right. It didn't come up on your feed. Right. Yeah. Isn't it so funny, huh? We withhold. Well, I don't want it to go to their head. Since when do we become the managers of other people's ego? Right? Right? Got to manage. I want to keep them humble. Don't want to, don't want to let them think that I'm celebrating, celebrating them too much. Why? You know why it is? Because we have so much confidence in lack. We think that if somebody else succeeds somehow, that means that I cannot. That when somebody else does good in life, that means that there's not going to be enough for me. What if we could learn to celebrate each other? That is the name of our church, Celebration Church. What if we could learn to celebrate each other, even in the midst of our own need? Let go of our confidence in ourselves. Let go of our confidence and lack and trust that there is a greater God. My life is not dictated by the success of others. My life and the success of my life is dictated by the greatness of my God. This is what the Bible says in Acts. God plays no favorites. (laughs) It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. This is what he says. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. The great things that you see happening in other people's lives, guess what? They're available to you. You don't have to to allow it to irritate your ego. We can celebrate each other. And just maybe if we learn to celebrate each other, maybe we'd make a way for God to be able to do it in our lives. Yes, this is is what the scripture says. 1 Thessalonians 
So encourage each other and build each other up. This, is, this doesn't sound like our society, right? Encourage each other and build each other up. A couple scriptures later, it says this. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of what? Because of their work, right? What if next time I'm scrolling through, I just hand out likes and go ahead and add a comment as well. Man, this is awesome. I think this is great what you and your family are doing. When you're believing for something and you see somebody else do it, when their blog is doing a little bit just better than yours, because everybody's a blogger nowadays, right? If, 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 if they're doing better than you, why don't I just celebrate what they're doing so that God can do it in my life? When I'm struggling in my marriage and I see that one couple, right? Don't we see them? I see that one couple that they're always posting pictures and they're kissing each other and hugging on each other. And they're always at these different exotic places. Hashtag married my best friend. And you're like, if we could just be friends, like if we could just get along, like I would be happy. What if I just celebrated that person and say, it's awesome what God is doing in your marriage. I celebrate it with you. Why? Because I'm making a way for God to do it in mine. Right? When there's chaos in your home and there's that person that always posts these amazing pictures like with an amazing camera and their kids always look perfect in the cutest outfits and I'm like, if I can just keep my kids from painting on the walls with their own poop like that, I'd be happy, right? Rather than withhold celebration, I'm going to choose to celebrate those around me. And this is sometimes toughest with those that are closest to you seems like so much of the time we only celebrate those whose success is a little bit less than ours what if we create a culture where we celebrated everybody we celebrated everybody because we realize it's really not them doing it. it's the god in them that has empowered them to launch that business that has empowered them to have those healthy relationships that has empowered them to build an incredible company we need a culture of celebration we learn to encourage each other instead of withholding love really what it is from each other. Does God do that with us? No. When has God ever withheld his love from you? Never. Never. Last thing I think that had tendency to steal our confidence is our failure. This is a big one. And what's interesting about this is this is really what, really what evil, what the devil, what darkness, what, what it's really after is if it can make you feel like a failure, you can steal your confidence. This is, this is why Jesus came to the earth, right? So when I place my, this is, the message of, this is the message of Christianity. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion. I hope you hear this. Every other religion is about if I obey, then I'm accepted by God. If I perform right, if I, in other words, if I don't sin, then God will accept me. That's every other religion. This is Christianity. Yet we were still sinners. Yet we were still sinners. Currently, in the present, Christ died for me so that I can connect with God no, hear this today, no longer based upon my performance ever, but based upon the greatness of my God. When you have faith in Christ, your performance cannot disqualify you from God's best. Why? Because when Christ died on a cross, he said some words that changed it all. He said, it's finished. It's finished. Past, present, future failure, it's finished. You may feel broken, but God does not see you as broken. You may feel like a failure, but God does not see you as a failure. You may feel used, you may feel abused, you may feel unworthy, but God does not see you as any one of those things. He sees you the same way, the same way what? He sees his own son. Perfect. Deserving of his love, no matter 
no matter, no matter, no matter what. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did this morning on the way to church. I don't care what you did two weeks ago that nobody knows and you hope they never find out. God does not, God is not intimidated by your situation. God loves you. He's for you. He still has a good future for you. He still has a good future, but it's not over. It's not over. It's funny, it's, it's, it's interesting. On our journey in, in, in faith, and I find this as you continue to follow God, especially for Christians, it's a tough one. And we know, we know that Jesus died for our wrongs. But somehow it's like, God, I know that you can forgive me of my past, but after I've been a Christian for 10, 15 years, it's like, well, I should know better now. So we beat up on ourselves. A whole, no, I need Jesus today more than I've ever needed Jesus before. I'm still imperfect. The Bible says that even on my best day, that my righteousness or my perfection, that it's this filthy rags. Jesus set the bar so high. He said that anybody who is not in faith is in sin. What does that mean? Do you have perfect faith? Because I sure don't. He said, if I had a mustard seed of faith, I could say to a literal mountain, be cast into the sea, and it would be cast into the sea. I have not seen anybody yet cast a mountain into the sea. Have you? What does that mean? That means your faith is failing. What does that mean? That means that you're a sinner. That means what? That today you need a savior. More than you've ever needed a savior. Don't allow your failure to keep you from confidence in God. How silly is that? That's a distraction. That's a distraction to make you feel like you're unworthy because it was never about how good you can be. It's not what qualifies you to be in this room today. It's not what qualifies me to stand on this stage. If I could walk you through the aisles and rows of my story. Like, who are you to talk to me exactly? The only reason that I could stand in this position is because I have confidence not in myself, but in a God that is greater. Greater than time, greater than people, greater than my failure. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. My question today is who do you turn to when you're at the end of your rope? In other words, what I'm saying is what are you confident in? What are you anchored to? If you're anchored to yourself, I've been there. If you're anchored to yourself, your, your, your anchor is a moving anchor, and that's not much of an anchor. For those who have faith in God, we, we have a promise, and here's the promise in, in Hebrews. It says it like this, in the same way God and his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, God intervened and he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, what are the two unchangeable things? It says his promise and his oath. It says this, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to him, ran to God for refuge, would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to do what? To hold tightly to the hope set before us. Let's really embrace this next part. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down. Under whatever pressure bears upon it, it's a safe and a steadfast hope. You see, when, when, when I'm confident in something greater than myself, Anthony, come here. When I'm confident in something greater than myself, when I'm confident, I make the choice to be confident in God. What do I really do for my life? I find an anchor. Hold that. I find an anchor. I find an ability to be okay when things are not because of who I'm connected to. And the, when the winds, they rage, and the storms blow against my ship, I'm anchored. Why? Because I'm not confident in myself. 
I'm confident in what? What does the scripture say? We have this as a confident assurance, an anchor for my soul. What? The fact that he can't lie. And whatever God has said, he will do. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. But my situation seems so much bigger than the God that I serve. But, but I'm connected to something. He can't fail. I'm holding on to his word. I'm embracing his promises. Why? Because it's an anchor for my soul. I don't have to be confident in myself because I'm confident in my God. He is my steadfast, sure anchor of hope. <laughs> I don't have to be moved by my situation anymore. I don't have to be broken. I don't have to stay here. Because I have an anchor for my soul. Stability. Be stable when things are not. I've, I've lived this in my life. I've lived this in my life. When, when our second son was born, the birth of a child, if you've never experienced this, is just one of the most moving experiences for me. For some reason, every kid that, that I've had so far, when, he's, when it's born, I just burst into tears. I don't even know why. Like I just start crying. And uh, when our second child Levi was born it was an incredible experience and, and we're celebrating man look at just just how God works life and we get to our hospital room and we're there and about a couple hours pass and all of a sudden change of events here come all the nurses here come all the doctors they're freaking out they're starting to hook him up to machines there's something wrong with him and they don't know what they rush him off to the NICU he's in the ICU for babies and this 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 progresses day after day and and maybe this is normal for you but I I wasn't taught to believe like this. Like I was taught growing up that God, I was actually taught that God is our healer. I was actually taught these things that God wants a better life for us than we want for ourselves. And yet I look at this situation, it's like, God, what's going on here? This isn't supposed to be my life. I mean, yeah, I hear stories for other people, but, but, but not me. You've, you've given me promises. It's this situation of like, don't you care? God, where, where are you? You feel hopeless, you feel broken. I mean, looking at your, your baby and he's, and every time it's like, you're, you're, you ever been where, you, where you're praying and you're believing God for something and it seems like it gets worse? Like I'm praying, God, will you please just, just, just get, give us some positive progress here? And then they go to put the IV in, but they can't get it in the right vein. His veins are just exploding vein after vein after vein. And so they have to find a, a way to put it, into, put it into his head. And then he's hooked up to all of these machines and, and, uh, so thankful that, that my parents didn't just teach me about God. They taught me how to trust God. They taught me that no matter what your circumstance looks like, you make the choice, Nick, to believe that God, God is greater than your circumstance. I don't know what you're facing today. But I hope that you didn't just come to church to learn about God. I hope that you would leave this place learning to trust God. I'm a musician. I, I went home and, and uh, my wife already has a hard enough time seeing tragedy and things like this. So I'm feeling like I got to be, you know, the strong one. And uh, it's kind of just, I don't know, my personality, my nature. I, I, but with God, man, I crumble. And... Went to my bedroom, I sat down at my keyboard, and out of just, just words from my heart, uh, I just began just, just, man, beyond my emotion and beyond my feeling, just communicating the pains of my soul to God. I remember sitting at my keyboard, it wasn't even a song back then, it was just the words of my heart. You sang it today in worship. 
the song Strong Tower. I will stand tall like a strong tower. And I, I sat there and through my tears for the first time that song had ever been, been saying, I was like, I will stand tall like a strong tower when the winds they rage. He's my strong tower. And tears falling down my face. I don't feel like it. But I will stand tall like a strong tower when the winds they rage. Why? Because I'm anchored to a God who is bigger than my situation. I will not allow my situation to be greater than my God. place of hurting and brokenness, I just, just out of my mouth, just speak, spirit, your help when I'm hurting, God, your, your strength when I'm failing, Savior, that's not me, Jesus, it's only God, this one is on you. I release myself of the burden because I can't fix it if I wanted to. I said, Spirit, oh, your help when ah, some of you need to hear this today. Oh, God, your God, your strength when I'm failing, oh, your strength when I'm failing and Savior, Jesus, it's only you. What are you anchored to? Tell you this, days went on. My son didn't stay in the hospital. Turn around, we got to take him home. And and here's the thing though, here's the thing though. When, When God comes through with you, it's not the time then to let go of your anchor. You gotta trust God in the good times, you gotta trust God in the bad times, you gotta trust God in the times it's just okay. What are we talking about? This ability to be stable in my life when things are not. If they're stable, I'm stable. If they're not stable, I'm still stable. If they're just okay, I'm 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 gonna be okay. This is the way that life works. Then, then a couple months later, what happens? He comes down with some sort of lung infection. I take him in and the doctors just start saying just crazy stuff. We need to put him on breathing inhibitors and he's probably going to spend the rest of his life on his inhaler. He's going to struggle with asthma and his lungs aren't very strong. I'm like, I will stand tall, right? Right? Like a strong towel. Why? Because I remembered. I can remember stories from my mom and mom would tell me. I mean, you guys were all babies. I went to the doctor. You guys were having issues. They all tell you, you're going to have asthma all your, all your life. I don't have asthma. And I decided my kids aren't going to have asthma either. I, I choose to be anchored. See, we can live our lives victim to circumstance, or we can choose to be connected to something greater than our circumstances. You choose. You have the power to make the choice to believe in a God who's greater than your situation. We can be victims. We can all just say, okay, well, I guess that's just a part of life. I guess your sickness is a part of life. I guess that sometimes you have ups and sometimes you have downs. Some days you're on the mountain and some days you're in the valley. The Bible says that the path of the righteous, you know what it does? It gets brighter and brighter. That's mountaintop to mountaintop. Your life shouldn't be up and down and all around. We should have the ability to be stable even when things in our life are not. <laughs> uh. Ability to be stable. When things, you hear that today, an ability to be stable when things in your life are not. If you're weak, if you're broken, if you're confused today, it's a lost cause that you don't know my situation. I don't. I do know you have a choice. You have a choice to stay there or you have a choice to be anchored to the fact that God said, I won't lie to you. 
If you won't allow time to be greater than me, if you won't allow people's voice, their voices, their successes to be greater than me, if you won't allow your failures to be greater than me, I'll always come through for you. Feeling a little weak today? Feeling hopeless today? It's okay. You're actually not in a, that bad of a position, actually, in the book of, uh, in the scripture, it says this, and I, and I want to kind of look at this in, in 2 Corinthians. This is what it says. God says, my grace, God's empowerment that you can never earn towards you. He says, it's enough. He says, it's all you need. This is what he says. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. The writer says this. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap of my life. All of the things that were wrong that I wish were different. And I begin appreciating the gift of what? God's empowerment. You didn't earn it, never would be good enough to. He'd give it to you freely. It says this, it was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weaknesses. Now, now I take limitations in stride. I know I'm not perfect and I'm okay with it. And with good cheer, these limitations in my life that used to cut me down to size, what is he talking about? You're probably gonna find yourself in this list. Abuse, accidents, things that you caused that you didn't mean to cause. Opposition, things that were coming against you. Bad breaks, I did nothing wrong and something bad still happened. Now I just let Christ take over. I let go of my confidence in myself and I place my confidence into Jesus. He says this, and so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I hope that you hear this today. The weaker you get, the stronger you become. And your confidence is not in yourself. Your certainty and your trust is not in your own ability. In fact, I fully let go of any type of thinking that thinks somehow my way is going to work out. When I cling to someone that is greater than I, even in my weakness, I find strength. What am I talking about? Even in my weakness, find an ability to be stable when things are not. Let's pray. God, today, I just pray for every single person that's broken and hurting. Situations of their life seem to be falling apart. We look to you and you alone. God, let it be the anthem of our heart today, even through the pain. God knows your pain. He sees your hurt. He sees the confusion. God, even right here, in the midst of all of this, God, we make a choice to have confidence in something greater. The words of our heart to you today say, I will stand tall like a strong tower, even when the winds, they rage. God, you're my strong tower. I ask that you comfort every heart and that you're the scripture that we just read that truly would come alive in us, God. In our weakness, your strength is made perfect. At our weakest point, we find ourselves the strongest. Maybe you're here today. You don't even know what it's like to have confidence in something greater than yourself. You've never placed your faith in God. When you evaluate your life, you look and you say, Nick, you're right. If I look at my life, it's just not working. The way I try to fix problems, I've tried it over and over and over. And it seems like areas of my life that I get together, 
other parts fall apart. You weren't intended to be your own savior. We're all broken together. The Bible says this, though. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you place your confidence in something greater than yourself, you're able to experience this empowerment. It's supernatural. It's, it's, it's beyond our intellect, but it's real. In your own life. If you want to pay, place your faith in Christ today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to, to, to pray it with me today. Let nothing hold you back. Don't let fear, don't let intimidation, don't let something someone has said. Don't let time or bad experiences with church or people that have represented God. Don't allow these things to keep you from what God has for you. We're family, so nobody prays alone. Can we all pray this together? Pray this. Say, Jesus, today I believe. I believe in my heart. And I say out of my mouth that you are the son of God. I choose to believe that you lived for me, that you died for me, and that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Now say this together. Say, I place my confidence in you. Let's say it one more time together. Everybody is a church family. I place my confidence in you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.